You're listening to The Yarn, a podcast for and about the Australian wool industry. I'm Ellie Bigwood and welcome to today's episode where we hear directly from your chairman, Colette Garnsey, from her connection to the land as a child, her extensive experience in retail and what she's heard from wool growers, processors and retailers throughout her travels as AWI chairman, Colette shares her farm to fashion journey throughout the course of her career and most importantly, her priorities for AWI in the coming year. Colette, welcome and thank you for joining The Yarn. Thank you, Ellie. <laughs> Colette, let's start with a little bit about yourself, a bit of background, uh, where you come from, your retail experience, which you have a very extensive history in. I think we'd be very interested to hear a bit about that. Well, um, my family was from the country, particularly on my mother's side, um, the MacKillops. When I was born, I was taken out to Tilpa and uh, we had a sheep property out there. And then we travelled around um, New South Wales quite a bit because my father um, was with Dalgetty's and um, we travelled through the west. We lived in, um, in that area. We lived on our farm for a little while. We lived in Burke, um, then down to Wagga Wagga. And then finally to Sydney when uh, he was uh, moved into the Bridge Street office here. We all went to school. I'm one of five girls. and We all went to school here in Sydney. And I took up a career in retail just to, I guess, an opportunity to exercise my um, creativity, but also the commercial side, which I was extremely interested in. And I joined Grace Brothers, then went to David Jones, I've had experience in manufacturing um, and distribution as well as in retail. Um, I left David Jones for a little while um, and and had that manufacturing experience at Sheridan Textiles, um, rising to be general manager there. Then I rejoined David Jones and I had a very lengthy period there as um, group general manager um, for merchandise and marketing. And it was a terrific time to be in the company. Um, We achieved a lot for... Um, rebuilding that brand, David Jones, actually at the time, and working with um, international fashion designers as well as the Australian fashion designers and working very closely to establish the Australian fashion industry, which was, you know, really needed the encouragement of a big player like David Jones um, to bring it along. I've then uh, worked with um, a large company, Pacific Brands, managing um, one of their divisions as, um, as an MD. And most recently in specialty retail um, with Premier Investment Group, and I was a group MD there, an executive director. Um, I've been on the AWI board now for eight years. And um, so during that period of retail and then into um, some manufacturing, wholesale and distribution, and I have loved it. So I was originally brought on for my uh, commercial experience, my governance experience, particularly as it relates to corporate governance, but also uh, my marketing experience and consumer experience. So they were probably the main focuses for why um, I was approached to join the board. Um, It was very, very proud moment for me um, to be asked to join the board of this company and to be voted for by the wool growers of Australia who thought that I could make a contribution. Um, It has stood me in very good stead being a little girl from literally the back of Burke and having that experience in sheep as a young child. Um, I've also got a lot of family that are still on the land and um, that is uh, a wonderful connection for me. 
um, they're on the land as, as, as sheep farmers. I think most wool growers of Australia could agree that we are very fortunate to have you and your retail experience, your wool growing background on the board. What are your priorities for AWI as chairman over the next coming year? Well, I think we're going to continue to deliver. I mean, the, the, the objective of the board is to deliver for wool growers and to continue to deliver value along a couple of very key points. So we want to see sustainability of the industry. We want to see a brightness of future um, in the wool industry and a pathway to um, continued profitability and prosperity for wool growers. Um, and we want market access, so we need to continue to drive access into markets that, um, that will use wool, they'll buy wool, they'll promote wool. And we work heavily um, in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly on those programs. But that focus is shifting too now because those markets and their needs of their consumers have changed. And uh, we need to reflect back to growers also what the market needs. So that's also become a priority. What's the market asking for? And um, that's an important part of our role. So the markets overseas, are there any new marketing initiatives that you might be able to share with us in the pipeline? Oh, yes, there's some very exciting ones. Um, So probably the biggest um, or the headline act um, over the next couple of years is the association that um, the the Woolmark company has with the Prada Luna Rossa sailing team. And we are the technical partner here with Prada Um, And that is an amazing achievement that a company with the global status and reputation of Prada has chosen Wool and the Woolmark company to be their technical partner in sailing. And it's a a really good story because having Wool um, involved in sailing takes Wool back to its very early origin as the clothing choice of sailors centuries and centuries ago um, because of its um, huge amount of benefits that it provides. We have seen, unfortunately, quite a volatile market at the moment. Do you have any comments on the factors that are causing that and maybe a bit of an outlook or your hopes on the coming market? The the current market has shown volatility and um, far be it for me to make a forecast on that. Um, I I would uh, I would love to be able to do that. Wouldn't we all? Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but the, the there are a number of issues, um, and those issues really are um, around some trade tensions that are happening in the global markets um, around trade, um, particularly with two very big players, so China and the United States, and that does have an impact. It has an impact to everyone that's supplying raw materials into those markets or providing you know, product into those markets. So th- there is an issue there that has created that. So I think what we have got, though, is a wonderful story around China. And that wonderful story is not only how much wool is being bought by China and how much they value it and have invested in the processing of Australian wool um, for their distribution globally, but the story of how the Chinese consumer has picked up our wool and how the Chinese consumer loves merino and they value merino. They see it as being a special fibre, which of course it is, and it's prized. So that's the work that this company has done over the last half dozen years 
in establishing good marketing programs in China to those Chinese consumers are continuing to deliver. And I see that still being a focus for us. We'll continue to focus in that market. Um, yes, there there is the volatility. And of course, the, um, the conditions that Australian growers are dealing with at the moment, or a good number of them are dealing with, with the, um, with the drought, will have a very big impact on us, um, on our trading, simply because of the volume of wool which will change. So we're acutely aware of that and um, we are very sympathetic and have got good programs for growers um, who are suffering in those conditions, but we're a resilient lot and um, we all look forward to this drought finishing and um, the rebuilding of the ewe flock, which will hopefully reposition wool as a reliable, consistent source of wool. Absolutely. So you've been well-travelled around Australia at the moment in the regional um, communities of Australia. What have you been hearing from growers on the ground? Well, I, um, I have, I've had the fortune of doing that exactly, and I love it. So we've um, been through all of the winter um, sheep show um, season, and that's been a lot of fun. Good to get out there. And, um, and, and talk to our, um, the owners of our company, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the key themes, of course, a um, hot topic is drought and drought conditions. Lifting the U numbers um, is an important topic. Um, growers looking for resources on our websites, which we have there now. Um, they've always been there, but we've tried to bring them together so it's an easier find for growers um, and there'll be resources there that are around feed bases, that are around ewe flocks um, and, and rebuilding. So that, that's a hot topic. The other topics are growers have wanted to know about what's happening in the market. And so we have been able to illustrate, give some insights to um, the, the, the tensions in the trade wars and that, that's been appreciated and you and I covered that earlier. They want to know about what does the consumer want. Um, And I've been able to talk to them about a meeting I attended recently. In fact, I convened it recently in Italy where we had about a dozen of the international, the European processes together in one room to talk about what was important um, for their customers, so for the brands that are buying from those processes. And what were important? Well, those issues, that's the, that's, the, that's the great question. Those issues are really all about sustainability. Yeah. And sustainability means so much. Yeah. Um, they're interested in sustainability from the perspective of animal welfare. They're interested in the sustainability from the perspective of an ongoing, reliable source of fibre um, for their production. Um, and they're interested in sustainability from the perspective of how does this fibre perform through the supply chain and through the life of its product? It's a multifaceted area, sustainability. It's an easy word to say, but it has a lot of nuances. The other thing is traceability. Traceability is very important and will become more important as the Gen Y and the Gen um, Z customers want to know where did it come from, who grew it, how did they grow it, how were the animals treated, how was it processed, what kind of resources were used in the processing? Where was it designed? How, did, how was the garment sewn? What were the conditions in that factory? So on and so forth. And they really want to know about the eco-credentials. This is what it ultimately comes down to, the eco-credentials of the fibre. 
So um, we have a proud story to tell here in terms of the eco-credentials of Australian wool. Our farmers are some of the best custodians of the land. They're excellent custodians of their sheep. Um, they look after them. They are their livelihood. And so there's a very good and strong story to tell there. We can see all of the improvements that have been happening over the supply chain over time that add to the clean, green, sustainable nature of wool processing. Um, and of course, for the life of the fibre in the hands of the ultimate consumer, it's a great story. Wool goes on for years. And if you look after it and take care of it, it will, it will survive your lifetime and possibly beyond. So there's a wonderful story there. It's not... It's not, a, it's not fast fashion. It's not using up, um, you know, oil and petrol-type resources. It's natural. It's, yeah. And that's, that's the story of Australian wool. So um, that becomes a very important thing. The international processors were also concerned about the volatility in the market. Um, they would like to see, obviously, consistent pricing so that they can plan their own pricing to their consumers... But of course it's a market, they understand it's a market and markets must flow naturally and freely. And, you know, they were probably the key themes. Some of those solutions, you know, we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of um, work going on in, across all of those areas to support our growers. But we've also got WoolQ, which will help on that traceability piece. And um, the processes, particularly in, um, in, in the Northern Hemisphere, are very keen on wool queue. They want to see this um, this supply chain right the way through to the grower, and wool queue actually provides that. So it's good. Thank you for that, Colette. So upcoming on Friday, the twenty second of November, we have AWI's annual general meeting. What is it about the AGM that's so important? Well, the AGM is, a, um, is, a, is an important day for the company, but moreover, it's a very important day for the owners of this company, the Wool Growers of Australia. We, it is an opportunity for the company to come to that meeting and present its, um, its work. And that, uh, that is the annual report of the company presenting all of its financials um, to the shareholders um, and all of the progress that has been made in the programs against the strategic plan. So the board is there, the executives of the company are there, and um, we like to see a big turnout of um, shareholders there as well uh, because it makes for a vibrant meeting and allows us to get the message out to more and more people. So it's a very important, um, it's an important meeting. This year is um, additionally important because there are a number of things that are going to happen at this meeting. One of them will be for the shareholders of the company to vote on the constitutional resolutions that will be put forward. And there are constitutional resolutions that are just normal governance updating and they'll need to go to the, to the shareholders for approval and we'll be recommending those, of course. And then there'll be a num- about four of them that'll go to the growers that um, are to do with... Um, really the growers' rights that have come out of the review of performance. Um, so they'll go, they'll go to... Um, so those constitutional um, votes are important. Um, and on top of that, it's a director election year. And we will have three vacancies on our board um, this year to be filled. 
and um, growers will have the opportunity to um, to vote. So everyone make sure you pencil in the 22nd of November. Yes, but before that, by all means, um, pencil in the 22nd of November. But what I'd really like you to do, if you're a levy payer and you have not applied to be a shareholder, please apply. It's, it's not difficult, it's free, and that enables you to vote. And having more of our levy payers become shareholders is a very, is, is a, is a very important thing for um, the vibrancy of the company um, and for the, the democracy in the company, and that's what we would like to see. And then, of course, um, if you are a shareholder and you um, intend on voting, we'd love you to vote. Please vote for what you want to see in your company. Um, We'd ask you to do that either by voting in advance or by voting by proxy. And it's well explained in the notice of meeting on how to do that. Colette Garnsey, thank you for joining us on The Yarn today. Thank you, Ellie. That was AWI Chairman Colette Garnsey. And just to reiterate her final point there, if you've paid at least $100 in wool levies over the past three years, we strongly encourage you to become an AWI shareholder, to be a part of the decision-making process of your company and to be able to vote at the AGM. AWI currently has over 21,000 registered shareholders and over 61,000 wool levy payers. So if you haven't registered yet, it's a free and easy process. You just need to fill out the shareholder application form on wool.com and return to the AWI share registry at Link Market Services. That's a wrap on The Yarn for this week. Get in touch with us at theyarnatwool.com if you have any questions or comments on the podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Bale and Twitter at Wool Innovation. I'm Ellie Bigwood. Thank you for tuning in and I look forward to our next yarn.